It's 49ers Cutback Podcast time. Welcome to the show, everyone. I know I'm a little late on this reaction show, uh, but I'm ready to talk 49ers versus Cardinals. I wasn't able to go live last night, but here I am, and I'm ready to talk 49ers versus Cardinals. And so if you come through and chat, let me know you're here. Uh, and let's just have a fun conversation about the 49ers winning the AFC West and getting it done in a big way. And that's exactly what you're hoping. And what's up to everyone that's in chat already? What's up to Joel, hashtag TCC. Donald, how's it going? Says, or hey, Ant, how's it going? And Joel says, what's up, Ant and the faithful? And the faithful were out in full force against the Arizona Cardinals. I mean, they pretty much took over that entire stadium, and it was a sea of red, which isn't uncommon for Arizona, except for when the Arizona Cardinals are trying to come through with a whiteout that was unsuccessful. What was successful was the 49ers offense was absolutely fantastic in this matchup. All aspects of the game on offense, they were just clicking. When you have Brock Purdy playing at the level that he's playing at and Christian McCaffrey able to do the things he does and not just the run game, but the pass game as well, you really have the weapons you need to be a force on offense. The 49ers had their largest output of the season, 45 points in this game, and they needed it. The Arizona Cardinals came away with 29, and of course, I'm not real concerned about that last touchdown. That one didn't really scare me a whole lot. Uh, you had your backups in. You were getting some unique opportunities for Robert Beal Jr., seeing his first action of the season to rush the passer. Darrell Luter Jr. playing corner on the outside. You just had a lot of guys that were able to get out there and play, and I, I like that. And did it end up being a touchdown for Kyler Murray and the Arizona Cardinals? Yes. Uh, did they get yardage that forced them to go over 400 yards in the game? Yes. You know who doesn't care about any of that? Kyle Shanahan and the coaching staff. Now, what they'll do is they'll use that opportunity to coach up a lot of players on their technique, on what happened in those situations, and just try to get better. But they're not worried about those points. The main thing with coming away in this game was getting a W, making sure you stayed at the number one seed so that way you control your destiny because you want to have two games at Levi Stadium before the Super Bowl, and that's it. That's the main goal. That's exactly what you're trying to do. Donald says it's great winning, but we need to do better at tackling. I think tackling was a concern in this game. I thought at times there were opportunities where they could have gotten James Conner and others down and either didn't because of poor tackling angles, uh, being too aggressive. That's one thing I saw from the linebacker group. I felt like Super Fred was back. And he was trying to make a lot of things happen. And when that happens, sometimes he will miss tackles or he'll get out of position. And I think that happened. There was also, you got backup defensive tackles. They were getting in the way sometimes. They prevented Randy Gregory from making a tackle on an Arizona Cardinals touchdown run. So I think that, yes, tackling does need to get better. And I think if you look around the NFL right now, tackling in general is bad. And I can't remember which NFL player said it, but – uh. NFL right now at this point in the season gets a little bit sloppy, and that's the case. These guys have been playing a lot of football games. The war of attrition is real. So, yes, the 49ers need to make sure they secure the tackle better. 
It would help a lot if they had Eric Armstead and Javon Hargrave. It would help a lot if they had Orrin Burks, and they had to make sure they overcame those. But Donald's right. Tackling needs to improve for the San Francisco 49ers. What's up to Shane? Says hashtag TCC. What's up, Ant? Uh, not much. Enjoying a good Monday, a victory Monday as it would be. And that's exactly what the 49ers are doing is enjoying a victory Monday because you have to go out there and you have to win football games. And that's what everyone intends to do. All the major pro sports are in action this week with college football playoffs ready to kick off. Bet online is your number one destination for all your sports wagering info, including news from pro football, the NBA, upcoming fights, and NHL games this season. Head to the website today and get into the action and see all the updated odds for the week. Remember to use our promo code BELIEVE to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. And there was a lot of cool things you know, going on in this game. And what's up to Paul? How's it going? He says, hey, my friend, good to see you. Going to be on the road, so I'll just listen. Always great to have Paul in chat. So uh, glad you are here. And Donald says, Niners get an extra day off. You're right. I and mean, that's the thing. The next matchup is going to be against the Baltimore Ravens on Monday night. Uh, Baltimore Ravens, only hours difference between their rest period and the San Francisco 49ers, so no distinct advantage over your opponent. But you just beat an Arizona Cardinals team coming off their bye. They had a distinct advantage. And I thought the 49ers played pretty good. But when you look at the numbers of some of the some of the players, um, the 49ers just had a really good game. Brock Purdy, 16 of 25, 242 yards. Once again, 9.7 Yards per attempt, four touchdowns, no interceptions, 135 rating. It's brilliant, right? It's spectacular. You look on the other side, Kyler Murray was 26 of 39, 211 yards, a lot of that in that last drive, but a 5.4 average. Uh, you can see Brock Purdy almost doubles him up in average per attempt. That is where the 49ers have been making their money this year. And then, you know what? The 49ers average 139 yards per game on the ground. Arizona Cardinals give up 139 yards per game on the ground. Like I said, it's probably a foregone conclusion. The four years were going to get 140, and they do. They get 144 yards on the ground, 115 from Christian McCaffrey. They got 20 yards from Jordan Mason. So uh, they were doing it. They were really doing it on the ground. And then when you look at the numbers through the air, Christian McCaffrey led the team with five catches for 72 yards. George Kittle had two for 54 Debo, four for 48, including two touchdowns. Him and McCaffrey got the wealth of the touchdowns. And Ayuk was three of 37. And Ayuk had a couple opportunities where the ball just didn't quite get there at the right time where he wanted it. The one he kind of ducked down after the ball was going over his head. I don't know if he felt the ball was too far out in front of him or, or what happened there. And then, of course, the other one, the defender made up ground. Brock probably didn't get enough uh, on that football get it down there, and he's able to get an arm in and knock that away from Ayuk. Uh, but some opportunities down the field missed a little bit. But you also had Juszczyk involved. He had a couple catches, and Jawan Jennings had a couple catches as well. So getting the ball around to the different playmakers and letting them things get, letting them uh, make plays is always huge. What's up to Lou? Lou in chat here says, Hi, Ant. Great win yesterday. The defense a little suspect but the injuries played a part. We are going to need our interior run D back for Baltimore. And, you know, yes, you gave up 234 yards on the ground. No defense wants to give up that kind of yardage on the ground. The amazing thing is you gave up the yardage and you still won the game. So that's impressive. But 
the 49ers have been trending in the right direction as far as run defense. They got exposed a little bit during their three-game losing streak. Cleveland really had a big game against the 49ers on the ground. And then since then, the 49ers have been working to get better. And they did. The 49ers got tremendously better. In fact, over the last four or five weeks, their numbers have consistently went down as yards per game. They've been holding teams really in check in the run game. And then here come the Arizona Cardinals. And this is where you just had a bad matchup situation. You had James Conner in this run game. That's one of the better run offenses in the entire league, averaging over 120 yards per game on the ground against a defense that, you're right, was injured. You had the, the missing Eric Armstead. You had the missing Javon Hargrave. And then during the game, you lose Kalia Davis, and you're rolling with a three-man rotation of Kinlaw, uh, Kevin Givens, and T.Y. McGill. And so as this game goes on, it's a war of attrition. It's a battle. You start getting guys that are wearing down. So I think that played a part in it. You also were missing your Sam linebacker in Oren Burks. And yes, Burks only plays about 20 to 25% of the snaps, but those are usually in heavy run looks. And so we probably would have got Oren Burks in some of those opportunities instead of Demetrius Flanagan Fowles. And as much as you know, Flanagan Fowles has been around here for a while, Oren Burks is definitely a better and more superior run stopper than Demetrius Flanagan Fowles. So to me, I think that you know it's, it's one thing to see this happen. If it happened again, I would be concerned. But the fact you were missing so much of your defensive line up the middle and then you're starting Sam Backer probably explains a lot. Now, you can't allow explosives. The missed tackles like Donald brought up earlier, never a good thing. So they're going to have to make sure they improve on their tackling. But they definitely can do that. It's A lot of it is effort, and they just got to get better at doing that. Donald says, who do you think the INT fault or who do you think's fault, Purdy or Ayuk? Are you talking about the one from last week? Um, the one from last week that bounced off his hands and then got intercepted. I believe um, it depends on how they were supposed to break it down. Now, Ayuk came straight forward, and I think Purdy thought he was going to drift into the inside. Later in the game, you saw the same sort of thing with Debo. It ends up being a misconnection. Debo kept working inside, and Brock thought he was going to sit down right there. So I believe Brandon Ayuk was supposed to move a little bit, and then that's why the ball was thrown inside, and then he tried to react to it and it bounced off his hands. When it comes to Debo, Debo should have been sitting down. So there's a, a couple of miscommunications here and there. When you see the amount of coverage looks that teams are giving right now, and Seattle's done a really good job in the two matchups where the 49ers played them of disguising coverages and really trying to make it difficult for Brock. Once Brock figures out what they're doing, he's pretty much lights out, and there's no real answer for what the 49ers do on offense once they figure it out. But, yeah, it's it has been a little bit tough. And Donald says Fred Warner is not happy about the defensive play, especially the running game. The, yeah, I mean, he wasn't happy. There was some mis, you know, miscommunications in secondary. I know one time he got on Dre Greenlaw when there was a big play to Trey McBride. And yeah, the missed tackles are something that most players are not going to stand for. You got to play better. You got to make more tackles. You've got to make plays. So I do believe that the San Francisco 49ers defense will get better. You add Hargrave, you add Armstead. There are big reasons why Armstead is an absolute monster against the run. I will say this without watching the all 22, I, I just got my hands on it. Um, you know, it's been an, another busy morning, but once I get to watch it, I believe it's going to push forward the narrative and, and my belief that Javon Kinlaw played good in this game. But whenever you're rotating three guys at one point, cause Kalia Davis injures his ankle, 
that definitely makes it tough to be a good run stopping defense. Um, David Campbell says, did you notice how Wisnowski avoided a pump block? It's all a free runner and kicked it quick. Wish is having a great year. Yeah. Mitch Wisnowski is phenomenal. And that one I thought was going to get blocked. When I saw that guy coming free, every inclination was that is going to get blocked. And Wisnowski not only got it off, but then kicked a 56 yard punt and put it just inside the 10 yard line. Really wonderful. Mitch Wisnowski deserves to be a pro bowler. He has played absolutely fantastic. And now that the 49ers had signed him to that contract extension, it makes a lot of sense. He is the punter right now. I don't see them moving on from him at any time. Uh, great move for the 49ers. And Mitch Wisnowski is having his best season of his career. And you're in a season where the 49ers have kicked, or sorry, scored more touchdowns and they've kicked uh, punts. Uh, they are plus six from touchdowns to punts. That's how you know you're having yourself a really good year. And how about Jake Moody? Jake Moody finally kicked a field goal. It had been an interesting stretch. The 49ers were scoring touchdowns at such a rapid rate that Jake Moody just was nothing but extra points. He wasn't kicking field goals. He got one. It's nice to see him get an easy one and see that go through. That's exactly what you need from your kicker. And, I mean, let's be honest. We'd rather the 49ers score touchdowns and kick field goals anyways. Um, so it makes a lot of sense to me. Lusa Kinlaw worries me. He just isn't consistent enough. Don't know what the future holds for him. I think that Kinlaw in his positioning and what he does as far as, uh, you know, being a guy that's a part of a rotation, I think he's fantastic. If he's a part of rotation with who the 49ers have up front right now, I think Kinlaw is very solid. I think the amount of reps and amount of plays that he plays is important. If he plays, you know, 30 and under, he's going to be very good. He can give maximum effort. He can give you a lot of good work. When you start getting north of 30, that's when you start worrying about Javon Kinlaw's pad level coming up. That's when you start worrying about his consistency as far as play in and play out, being able to give the max effort. That's why him moving to rotation behind Hargrave and Armstead was so pivotal this year. And that's why we've seen the best of Kinlaw. But the good thing is Kinlaw's getting involved and getting in there in the pass rush as well. He was thought to have been mainly a run stopper, but now you're seeing him do more of both. He's run stopping and he's getting after the quarterback. And when you have a guy like him that can push the pocket, but also has some moves that he can use to create pressure in the passing game, it's nice to see because there has been a lot of concerns about Javon Kinlaw throughout his career. And I mean, right now he hasn't answered all of them, uh, but he's definitely done a a pretty good job of going the right direction. And that's exactly what you want to see, you know, from a young player like that. And Kinlaw's had some issues, but we're going into a, you know, a situation where we see Kinlaw again, walking away with the sack. And, you know, I think that originally it got targeted to Bosa that Bosa had gotten a sack on that one, but they do give it uh, to Javon Kinlaw because he got there first. So, um, Kinlaw has more sacks in this season than he had in his entire career. So he's definitely playing a lot better. And that's good news for the 49ers. The 49ers need that rotation as they get into the um, playoff search and hunt is they need to have really good play up front. So I'm hoping that they can continue, you know, this play with Javon Kinlaw because, I mean, he's he's done a really, really good job. I've been impressed with him. And when you look at some of the things the 49ers did well in this game, they were four of seven on third down. So once again, over 50% on third down. We know that's been a goal 
uh, for them. When it comes to defense, they weren't as effective as I wanted them to be. Um, the Arizona Cardinals were over 40%, but the good news is they didn't get to 50%. That's great. And then fourth down, the four years never faced a fourth down. Uh, they did punt one time with Mitchell Stowski, but I mean, one they went for. And so that's good news for the 49ers. When you're looking at the some of the other stats that were interesting to me, um, you had the turnovers that were huge. I mean, Arizona came into this game as a zero turnover differential, and now they leave negative two. 49ers get two turnovers in the game. Tarverius Ward with the pick six, and then another late uh, interception by Tarverius Ward. It was interesting wa watching him on the Eric Armstead podcast. I think it's the third and long. He talked a lot about the fact that he wanted to start turning some of those PBUs into interceptions, and he thought that would take him to the upper echelon of cornerbacks. And then here he responds with two, and that pick six came at just the right time. Arizona, that first drive, marched right down the field and scored. 49ers answer, uh, but that next drive was going to be pivotal. It's a fourth down play. Traverius Ward jumps the route. It was great coverage. He comes downhill and intercepts the pass and takes it to the house. Uh, to me, I thought that was very pivotal in this game. 49ers in the red zone, four of four. Um, so it's just once again, spectacular red zone efficiency. Wish they would have been a little bit better on defense. They only held Arizona to two of three. But Arizona has been really good. They had scored, it was crazy, I think since 2021, every goal-to-go situation they had scored a touchdown on. So, four yards did pretty good there. And then when you look at penalties, four yards only had one penalty for five yards, and that was an offsides penalty by Chase Young. Other than that, they really played a super clean game. Uh, I think that's exactly what you're, you know, you're trying to do. You're trying to make sure you play clean games. And I thought the four yards did that as far as turnovers, as far as penalties. And that's exactly what you're trying to do to play positive football. David says, if the, the number one defensive tackles aren't back next week, the 49ers will have to outscore the Ravens. Yeah, that, I mean, to be honest with you, that will put the 49ers in a world of hurt because the 49ers are going to be going against a Ravens offense that not just has Lamar Jackson that puts pressure on the edge and edge defenders, but also will be using Gus Edwards on, uh, um, to power that run game in there. And, and Gus is a big physical guy. You need to make sure you have an interior presence in the defensive line. Now, Hardgrave, Armstead, I think this is, this is the, why they sat out against Arizona. And I believe they need to play this game. If they play, the 49ers have a really good chance to win. And it could be as simple as, hey, Armstead, play this game, get a win against the Baltimore Ravens, and then you can rest against the Washington Commanders and potentially the Los Angeles Rams. And if that is this is the case. He will be fresh and ready to go for the playoffs. But you're right. I mean, if they can't, if they can't slow up this Baltimore Ravens run game because they don't have their defensive tackles, it could put them in a really, really bad stop spot. So, um, yeah, that's completely accurate. And we're going to be monitoring, you know, what's going to happen with Hargrave with Armstead. And I know they said they were going to give Oren Burks a couple weeks off, but let's see what happens with Oren Burks as well. Lou says I'd like to see them use Mason a little more and give CMC a little more rest. I think this has been kind of the theme throughout the year, right? It was, is Christian McCaffrey getting too many touches? We need to use other running backs. We need to get more uh, carries. Uh, the, the truth is, I mean, in this game, yes, McCaffrey had over 21. I think he had over 20 touches, 21 touches between his 16 carries and his five catches. And I think if you asked Kyle Shanahan, he would tell you that 20 touches for Christian McCaffrey it's probably the sweet spot. I think that's exactly what he wants out of his running back who's 
dual threat. Uh, Jordan Mason did get four carries in this game. So there was a turn to him. He did take four carries off where McCaffrey will sometimes go over 20. But I think that they're going to do as much as they can to make sure they win these games using Christian McCaffrey. And the truth is the 49ers aren't as good with McCaffrey not on the field. Jordan Mason's a good running back. He gets yards going downhill. He makes tough carries, and he gets tough yards. But what he does dynamically to the offense is he somewhat limits them. The Teams don't have to worry about him out of the backfield. Teams don't have to worry about his motions, his shifts, and the things that he does in those categories. And then he's just not as good at third, as far as uh, protection and pass protection. So 49ers want Christian McCaffrey out there. They feel the most comfortable after that with Elijah Mitchell. But Elijah Mitchell just can't stay healthy. Once again, he's been dealing with an injury that has kept him out the last two weeks. So uh, do I think that using Jordan Mason for four or five carries a game is a good idea? Yeah, I think that they're getting it right as far as what they did as far as usage. But I understand when people want to see more Mason, they want to protect Christian McCaffrey for this playoff run. And let's be honest, there's going to be opportunities, hopefully. If the Warriors can take care of Baltimore and Washington, there's a real possibility they won't even have to win the last game against the Rams. And if that's the case, then yes, you're going to rest those guys. Now, here's part of the interesting part about this whole entire conversation. Christian McCaffrey is three touchdowns away from breaking Jerry Rice's single season record for most touchdowns in a season uh, for the 49ers. So he, the, Jerry Rice had 22. Of course, that was a, a strike shortened season. So that's even more impressive. Uh, but McCaffrey's going to want that mark. McCaffrey's getting really close to getting 2,000 scrimmage yards. He's going to want that mark. There are some goals and things that even these individuals are, are reaching for and striving for, but ultimately they want to win as well. So I think there's going to be uh, sometimes that some of these guys are going to want the ball. The 49ers are coming upon some possible historic numbers uh, because George Kittle's getting close to a thousand yards. Um, so it's, it's pretty interesting overall um, to see. Uh, Donald says, is it true Hertz is out this week because that means a great chance Eagles will have another L. So he is sick. He's dealing with some sort of flu and we don't know what his status is going to be for the game. I'm guessing it'll come out sometime, you know, here in the next couple hours. Um, if, if it hasn't already, but from my understanding is Jalen hurts is sick. They send him on a, a separate plane away from the team and his, you know, availability is not known. He was listed as questionable. I would say until he doesn't go out there, you know, you have to believe there's a potential he could play, but there's a chance it could be Marcus Mariota. And yes, the Seattle Seahawks may have Geno Smith tonight. We'll find out. But the Seattle Seahawks winning is good for the 49ers because it gives them a little bit of a buffer. They don't have to play perfect. But what it ultimately does is it makes it so if they win the next two, Baltimore and Washington, if the Eagles fall, Dallas already fell to Buffalo, the 49ers would not have to win that Week 18 matchup against the Los Angeles Rams. And that means they could potentially go out there, play enough to stay sharp, and then just go ahead and rest the second and a half and rest the bye week uh, that they would have for Super Wildcard Weekend and go into that divisional matchup really fresh and at home. So that's why it's so pivotal and why I think Armstead and Hargrave might play. Um, and if the Eagles lose tonight, that will go a long way to say, you know, to show um, if if the 49ers are going to have that opportunity for that last week. Uh, Lou says, will we, will we spy Lamar Jackson at all? I think it's an occasional thing. I think occasionally you can spy Lamar Jackson. The real problem is, even if you spy Lamar Jackson, who's fast enough 
to run with Lamar Jackson. As great of an athlete as Dre Greenlaw and Fred Warner are, they're not going to be able to do it. Tashawn Gibson, you know, and uh, Jair Brown, they're not fast enough to do it. Don't really have cornerbacks even that run a 4-3 or close to a 4-4 that can run consistently with Lamar Jackson the way he changes direction. So usually the, the way you want to go about it, you want to run a lot of zone coverage so that way eyes are in the backfield and you can monitor where he's at. But also you want to be able to keep him in the pocket. That means you got to make sure you maintain your pass rush lanes. And one of the ways you do that is just make sure as a defensive end, you don't go too far afield. As a defensive tackle, you don't want to get moved left or right. You want to get a solid push and push straight back because Lamar Jackson in the pocket is not as dangerous as he is outside the pocket. Now, he's still dangerous inside the pocket, but outside the pocket is where he can use his legs, where he can use his improvisation skills to get big plays down the field, and they do have weapons. I mean, Zay Flowers is solid. Uh, Odell Beckham Jr., he has his moments. Tight end Isaiah Likely is coming on pretty good. Uh, so they have talent. They have guys that can make plays. And then they have some guys that maybe haven't played up to the level that they've been expected to in the NFL, but still have skills like Rashad Bateman. So I would say it would be a more of occasional thing. Uh, but I think the the norm now, especially in the NFL, is that Steve Wilkes and other defensive coordinators rely less on the spy and more on a team defense uh, philosophy that's going to try to keep him inside the pocket and not allow him to defeat them when he gets outside. David says, can't remember if I asked this in chat before, but can you think of a historical player comp for Debo? I don't think you've asked this, uh, but to be honest, I can't. I mean, I think Debo is a one-of-a-kind type player. What's crazy is, right, the, the closest thing to Debo is probably McCaffrey, uh, just as far as skill set-wise, but with Debo, he's just you can't bring him down. Uh, he runs with a, a veracity and physicality like Earl Campbell. Uh, he catches the ball like a wide receiver, but has the ability to run the ball out of the backfield. He he's he's pretty crazy. Um, you know, I I don't know. You would have to take like three guys and put them together to make Debo Samuel. I don't think there is a comp in my mindset. I mean, maybe somebody else could think of one, um, but going through and thinking about receivers, especially at the receiver position, I can't think of guys who ran this tough, especially in the open field. We've seen guys who are absolute yak monsters, but how many of them are human pinballs and just bounce off people and take off and go to the house? Uh, not that many. So to me, I mean, I, I just think he's he's fantastic in that category. And what's up, Joseph? Joseph says, Mason reminds me of Jerome Bettis. He's like a bowling ball. Guys bounce off of him like rag dolls. Yeah, I think that when it comes to Jordan Mason, he's big, he's physical, and he is tough to bring down. The cool thing about Jordan Mason as a running back is he always falls forward. There's no negative yards. There's always him falling forward. And that's a positive strength, uh, strength for a running back and a trait that you look for. You want guys who are falling forward so that way you don't lose yards and they always get positive yards because one thing that kills a drive more than anything is negative plays. Jordan Mason's continued to improve in his vision. You go back and you watch him in college, he would have his eyes down pre-contact and sometimes wouldn't be able to make a secondary move to, to make somebody in the second or third level of the defense miss. Well, that's changed now. He keeps his eyes up. He's definitely able to navigate, make some reads. Uh, he does that. The run game part is not, is not the problem from Jordan Mason. He runs physical, he finds the holes, and he falls forward. He uses his physicality. His problems are more so in his dynamics. Number one, he's not as dynamic in the passing game 
I still think he's going to continue to grow in that area. He's got pretty good hands, and I think he'll get better. Is he ever going to be a route runner like McCaffrey? No, um, but he could be somebody that could at least be a threat in the screen game, catch some Texas routes, do some stuff like that, and be effective. But right now it's the things without the ball that I think they're trying to get him better at. The good thing is Anthony Lynn and Bobby Turner are two of the best coaches for running backs in the league. So they're going to continue to help Jordan Mason get better. And I expect Mason to get a lot better. So, um, yeah, I like that. I like that he's like that Bettis type of guy. Uh, Bettis was spectacular because of how quick his feet were, even for such a large man. Um, so, I mean, if Jordan Mason could turn into any that the two comps, right, that most people see because of his size, Jerome Bettis, uh, you know, and, and Marshawn Lynch. And if he could develop into anything close uh, to those kind of guys, it would be very interesting to see. Um, and Space, thanks for coming through. Space says, we're going to help you out tonight. Go Hawks. Appreciate it. Yeah, go go Hawks, right? That's hard to say as a 49er fan. Uh, but I hope the 12s are out there loud, and I hope it's a really good game. Joseph says, I like the Mooney Ward pick uh, six first of his career. Wow, he's balling, getting even better this season. Right, the fact that when he talks in his presser, this is the first touchdown he's had since Pop Warner. He didn't have a touchdown in, in high school. He didn't have a touch, touchdown junior college, college, uh, nothing. It, it's Pop Warner for him. So what a big-time play. And the fact that he he played that route so great. So uh, they're playing a coverage. He's got to read the inside man. It's a read to, and he comes in, and he undercuts that route and takes it to the house. Kyler Murray didn't think he was going to be there. And Charveris Ward played that coverage to a T. He knew his responsibilities. He knew if McBride flattened out, that was his guy. And he went and made the play. And then he looked fast. I know they got him over 20 miles per hour. Uh, so now he's got Mitch Wisnowski kind of speed. But that was a, a really nice play by Mooney. And he was he was gone. James Conner thought he had a chance. Uh, but he broke that down. So, um, And then Ernest says, happy holidays, man. It's always good to see me. It is good to see you, Ernest. Thanks for coming through. Uh, happy holidays to you as well. And so um, I, I, I love when people come through. And Donald says, isn't Ambry Thomas a 4-3? No. I don't, I don't think Ambry Thomas was a 4-3. I mean, he's he's fast enough, um, but he's not 4-3 speed. In fact, I don't think the 49ers have a cornerback that's 4-3 speed. I think, I think Jason Verrett pre-injuries used to be that guy. But other than that, Womack maybe. I know Womack's fast. After seeing Darrell Luter Jr. run, uh, D. Eskridge back. I mean, he's that fast or close to that fast. But I don't know. I don't. I don't. I don't think we really have a guy uh, that can go speed for speed. And Joseph says, "What do you think score will be?" I say thirty-five to twenty-four Niners. I think this one's interesting. I. I. If Hargrave and Armstead are playing, the 49ers have the opportunity to slow up Baltimore's offense. Um, to maybe a, a screeching halt. Now, I think that Lamar Jackson, just like he does with all teams, but the 49ers uh, deal with running quarterbacks a lot this season. Jalen Hurts, Kyler Murray, I think they're going to be ready, but Lamar's still going to make plays. Lamar's probably going to rush for over 50 yards. We know that. But if the 49ers can stop the Baltimore Ravens run game and they could make them one-dimensional and make Lamar beat them from the pocket, they're going to have not just a chance to slow up that Baltimore offense and keep them under 20 but potentially create turnovers uh so that's my early observation i haven't watched a ton of baltimore i did watch the game last night so that's just my early observation but once i will break down their all 22 i'll have a really good idea but it's going to hinge a lot on hargrave and armstead without hargrave and armstead it gets more and more difficult uh, but the baltimore ravens offensive lines dealing with some injuries 
Ronnie Stanley does not look the same. He looks like a shell of himself. That right leg is not good. He's definitely compromised, and that could play a huge part in this football game. 49ers may be able to get pressure, but also it limits their effectiveness running to the left side, which is something Baltimore ultimately would love to do. Rookie for rookie and friends, what's up? I saw your uh, comment earlier this week. I really appreciate it. It says, rush three, use Beal as a spy, 4-4 speed. Yeah, I mean, Robert Beal is interesting. I, I do think it's interesting you say rush three. Um, the four years rarely rush three. Occasionally, they'll rush three. They'll drop a defensive tackle over the middle of the field in a zone uh, zone scheme to try to take something away that you know where they drop eight. I don't know how much they're going to do that because if you rush three against Lamar Jackson, you open up some lanes for him to be able to run. So rushing four, you limit some of those lanes. Uh, it's even important sometimes to rush five, not so much that you get the blitz and get home to him right away, but to cut down the lanes he has to run uh, when he when he's wanting to scramble. So uh, I get what you're saying. Rush three, let Robert Beal run around with him. Even Beal at 4-4, and he, he is athletic. Uh, I don't know if he can stay you know, with a guy like Lamar Jackson that can change direction at that pace because straight line speed is one thing, but change of direction speed is a complete other. Uh, but I don't think it's a bad idea, you know, I mean, especially if you're in a third and long situation to go ahead and and drop off a little bit, um, you know, and and play underneath. I think that's always important. Let Lamar Jackson check it down, make the tackle underneath. You do have to make the tackle. Uh, but that's always a option for the 49ers. Uh, Pern, what's up? Pern says our run D is sus, but I think the 49ers are going to blow the Ravens out. Yeah, and I think it's sus in that matchup without your starting D tackles and your starting sandbacker. I, I think we've seen the trend of 49ers rush defense has been better and better uh, since they came out of their bye. Uh, Steve Wilkes, you know, made a couple of adjustments. They definitely got everything figured out, tying the defensive line, you know, to the linebackers, to the secondary, everything was working together. And when that happens, you get really good run fits. And I do my breakdowns on Patreon and you find the run fits are really good. Most of the time, occasionally, You'll get somebody that doesn't get downhill, doesn't pull the trigger, doesn't get into their open window where they're supposed to be. And then, yeah, there's opportunities. But for the most part, whether the Fourniers are nickel and it's Diamond Lenore, Isaiah Oliver, or the Fourniers are in their base 4-3 and it's Oren Burks with Fred and Dre, they've done such a good job of being in the right place at the right time and going through their open windows and making tackles. Uh, so I think the run defense will be fine once Armstead and Hargrave are back and your rotation goes back to Kinlaw and Givens behind them, that is effective because uh, Givens is more built on penetration where you then you have, you know, same with Hargrave, but then the big guys, Kinlaw and Armstead, uh, can go ahead and, and hold up against double teams. That's the issue. Holding up against double teams is a problem, and the 49ers had to roll out there with some guys who are all smaller penetrators as far as defensive line, and Givens, Kalia Davis, and T.Y. McGill – as the game progresses, we'll slowly wear down. Good news for the 49ers, though. The big guys will be back at some point, and then they'll feel a lot more comfortable. Um, you know, kind of kind of where they are as far as run defense. Uh, Donald says, rookie, I noticed uh, Niners been looking better at containing mobile quarterbacks so far, but Jackson definitely will be a challenge. He is the biggest challenge as far as stopping a quarterback that can move. Because when you look at the other players, you have Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray does give up a lot of ground when he's sacked. 
Um, I don't think he's as dynamic as Lamar Jackson running the football. And then when you talk about Jalen Hurts, Jalen Hurts isn't as dynamic throwing the football. Lamar Jackson is the best of both. He's got the speed of Kyler Murray, the ability to escape the pocket and beat you down, you know, beat you running the football with his legs, but also has a better arm to beat win from the pocket than Jalen Hurts. The only thing you don't get from Lamar Jackson that you get from them, especially Jalen Hurts, is that physical ability, the ability to run really tough and get extra yardage. He's been trying to do less and less of that as his career has went on, trying to maintain and not, not get hurt. Uh, but Lamar Jackson is the toughest test the 49ers are going to have to face as far as a mobile quarterback. And we'll see if they're up to the challenge. This is why you get athletes that can play the edge. The 49ers are probably more athletic on the edge than they've been in a long time. Bosa, you know, you got uh, Bosa Chase Young right away, athletic enough that they, if, if you have to slow up any, they can get you down. Uh, Randy Gregory, solid. Cleveland Farrell, solid. So 49ers are well-equipped. Uh, they have good, fast linebackers as well. And But, yeah, this is going to be a tough test for the 49ers versus the Baltimore Ravens. And I like this from Pern. It says, Hawks, please beat them tonight. Everyone is kind of hoping that the Seattle Seahawks are going to get it done. David says, 14 missed tackles last night. That isn't going to get it done next Monday. You're right. There's no way you can miss 14 tackles against the Baltimore Ravens and expect them to not have absolute explosive plays and get some touchdowns. So, yeah, tackling is going to have to be better. I think that the 49ers will be better. There will be less lanes in the run game, but the, most of the explosive plays in the run game came off of missed tackles. So the 49ers are going to have to clean that up, and the games that the 49ers have struggled to tackle are the games where they've given up the most yardage on the ground and where they've been you know, a little bit of a problem as far as giving up points. So, yeah, they're going to have to fix that. That is, a, They can do that. These are veteran players who understand what they're supposed to do. And I think Dre and Fred will make sure that they make that a important uh, part of the game plan this week. And then also, if you get those guys back in the middle, it's just going to be less room for them to be able to run. You squeeze down gaps. Uh, a lot of times what happens is, and why tackling starts to struggle, is when you get more space than normal. Uh, so normally your defensive linemen don't give up space. Your edge defenders uh, squeeze it down. There's less room for that running back to run through. He might get through the hole. But then what happens is there's less space after that for you to have to uh, decide where he's going to go and make the tackle. When the hole gets bigger, he has more room to come through and, and be able to juke you in the second level. So uh, tightening those holes on the beginning actually make it easier for tackling on the outside. So I think that's something that's important uh, in this game. And I think the Foyers can do a lot better at that. Um, let's see. Team Cali, what's up? Team Cali in the house. Do you think the defense should play the same type of defense they played on Hertz to contain Lamar? Actually, no. Just listening to Steve Wilkes and, and what he had to say about um the, the 49ers defense and their plan against Jalen Hurts. The plan against Jalen Hurts was not allow Hurts to beat them up the middle of the field. So they didn't want Hurts to run through A and B gap because if they did. That's where they felt he was more dynamic, was straight-ahead things, straight-ahead plays. With Kyler Murray, it was about keeping him in the pocket, not letting him get outside. So Jalen Hurts, they allowed to get outside. They felt like their speed was – they were fast enough to run him down, and also he wasn't as good throwing on the run. With Kyler Murray and Lamar Jackson, you have to worry about them when they get to the outside because they have that elite speed to where he can outrun your linebackers, right? You look like you have an angle, and then you don't. Uh, as somebody who played against a player like Frank Strong – Frank Strong ended up playing in college and then 
uh, playing with the 49ers for a little bit, it was like, oh, I got the angle. Oh, no, I don't have the angle. And it wasn't just me. It was our fastest guys on our football team in high school. It was like, oh, they got the angle. No, they don't. He's an angle breaker. And that's what Lamar Jackson is. So I think the goal for this game is going to be more of the Kyler Murray type role. You want to keep him inside the pocket at all costs and make sure that he has to beat you from there. Do you want to give the 8 to 10 seconds you gave to Jalen Hurst to throw the ball? No, you don't. Lamar will eventually find someone, plus they do have the playmakers that they could do it. So uh, I don't think it's the same plan as Jalen Hurts, but it could look a little bit similar. So um, that is a possibility. And then, of course, you know, I mean, anytime you're playing Lamar Jackson, you just have to uh, worry. And Ernest says, with Lamar, I would put five on the line and just go after him. Trust him if he uh, if he's uh, back in place. Um, five on the line is not a bad idea, especially if it's not a big. That's one thing I'll say. If you're going to put five defensive linemen on the field, I would say don't do that. If you're going to bring a fifth man up to the line of scrimmage and it's going to be a linebacker or it's going to be a safety uh, or a speedy guy, I like that a lot more. I don't mind blitzing for the mere fact that if you blitz, right, you can keep the lanes and integrity and not allow him to find areas to be able to run the football. I'm okay with that. So five guys makes a lot of sense, um, but I wouldn't do it with a defensive lineman because they're a little bit too slow, and I, I worry about that a little bit too much. And uh, Joseph says, do you think teams are targeting Purdy? Maybe take him out because the only way to stop this team. I mean, you never, you never say never. Christian McCaffrey was being targeted early on in the season. I mean, they were absolutely going after McCaffrey, face masks, doing all kinds of stuff. Um, so I wouldn't put it past teams. I do know the NFL is taking an active role and making sure they sniff out this kind of play. Uh, they don't want that kind of thing in their game. I mean, uh, guys are getting suspended for the rest of the year. I mean, this is just, you know, so I, I think that, yes, it's a possibility. Um, but ultimately, I think most guys in the NFL are, are good guys, and they don't want to hurt an opposing player. They just want to play hard. Uh, so it's, it's not about injuring them, but deterring them. And Donald, I hope you have a good one. Uh, says, uh, stay safe and stay humble and positive. Always staying humble and positive on this channel. That is for sure. Uh, Pern says, I think Dolphins Niners at the bowl. Purdy versus favorite team. Who knows? Stuff writes himself, right? Uh, it's a possibility. I don't know. You know, I mean, uh, Miami Dolphins got a long way to go. They still got to play the Dallas Cowboys. They still got to play the Buffalo Bills again. And then we'll see what happens in the playoff. But, you know, hey, there, there's always that chance. Uh, Joe says, I thought that hit on Purdy getting his head maybe to cause injury. Anytime you go up high like that to affect the head or neck area, it's gonna it's gonna result in the fine, and I think the forty I think the NFL is going to try to eliminate this from the game, and they should. And I think that yes, if you go up near the head and neck area of Brock Purdy, potentially you're worried about him getting injured. Um, I don't know if the play looked like it was on purpose or if it was just a situation where he got up, um, but we'll see. Ernest says the game against the Cardinals. I seen Fred Warner and Trey Greenlaw. Uh, double team on the second level a lot of time. Yeah, so what happens is when you are able to dominate the, the front part of the interior defensive line, that's when you're able to get guys out on the linebackers. And that's when it makes it tough for Fred and Trey. That's what happened a lot against Cleveland, and that's what happened in this matchup. And so it's very important for the 49ers defensive line to be able to occupy blockers. So even if 
you're getting double teamed, the main thing is you have to hold your ground. You don't have to win. You just have to hold your ground and hold that double team. So that way those guys can't get to the second level and get to your backers, or at least you slow them up enough so that your backers are able to get to the right place and be able to get across their face. And Eric Armstead and Javon Hargrave do that at a very high level. What you didn't get that from consistently was Kalia Davis and T.Y. McGill. But what that's to be expected. It was your fifth defensive tackle and T.Y. McGill, who is on your practice squad. So, yeah, the four yards were deep in the in the hole there trying to figure it out, and they weren't able to get it done. Um, but, yeah, I think it's I think it's going to be okay. The D-line, they'll get better. And then Joseph bringing up the, the color scheme. I have heard this. Uh, the color scheme would illustrate that the 49ers – this color scheme for the Super Bowl logo would illustrate 49ers versus Baltimore Ravens. It could happen. And, and no worries, Ernest. I, I get it. You're operating a diesel. A voice text is tough, and, and that happens a lot. Um, you know, People come through with voice text. I'm not offended by it at all. I think it's I, – I just normally figure out what most people say. I think it's kind of funny. Um, so, yeah, no worries about it. But when it comes to the 49ers, they have to make sure – that they play a clean game against the Baltimore Ravens. And Ravens talk is going to be big this week because um, even though they suffered a big injury uh, this week to Keaton Mitchell, I mean, he's out for the year with a torn ACL. That's unfortunate. Nice young player, speedy running back. That's going to be the main focus. Their running attack against the 49ers interior defensive line and the 49ers run defense. And that's going to be a lot of fun to get into this week. Um, the good news is the 49ers took care of business against the Arizona Cardinals keep themselves in the number one seed in the playoffs. That's exactly where you want to put yourself. You want to make sure you continue to win. And the next on the list is Baltimore on Sunday night. You have to make sure you play at a really, really high level. Um, so I, I think the 49ers are right where they want to be. There's some injuries potentially that they got to overcome, uh, but I think they're going to do it. But guys, I'm going to hop off. Thank you guys all for joining me this episode a 4 yards cutback brought to you by Bet Online, where the game starts. Once again, if you're watching, it's your first time, like and subscribe to the channel. Audio platform, 40 yards cutback on Believe. Please give it a five-star rating. Of course, more content will be coming out this week. I hope you guys can all come through. And just for Pern, Pern says this right here. Ant, when are you coming out with your sim? It comes out Fridays at 11 a.m., uh, so make sure you're ready for that. And, yeah, it'll... It's going to go live at 11 a.m. Friday, so check out the Madden Sim. Lots of content all week. Thanks so much, Pern, for asking. But I'll catch you guys on the next one. Until then, stay safe. Remember, the right way is always the 49ers way.